Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today, our Easter message is entitled, Where Life Begins. We pray you enjoy today's word. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Go ahead and wish somebody a happy Resurrection Sunday. Give somebody a high five or online comment to someone. Tell somebody you love them. Listen, we can't stop. We won't stop. We are excited about Christ and all that he has done. And so today, we want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to enter into your homes and to bring hope, to really reflect upon the meaning and the purpose of this particular day. And not just this day, but every day. And so we want to thank you for allowing us to join you in your homes this morning. For those of you that someone shared, please take the time to introduce yourself to us uh, in our comments. Please let someone know. Tell somebody that you're new here. We'd love to wrap our arms around you. We'd love to reach you. Please um, instant message us. We'd love to connect with you. Well, as I said, today marks a very special day for people throughout the world. It's a day in which many commonly celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's what most people refer to as Easter Sunday. But it's really more than just a day of observation. It's really more than just a day where we take the time to reflect on the fact that Jesus rose. See, while it's worth celebrating and taking time to observe this, it provides us a limited view of the meaning of Easter, of Resurrection Sunday. Hear what I'm saying. On a day un, not, not, meant, not much different than the one that we're in today, people were in their homes. And many on this particular day were hurting, had questions, had doubts, um, had lost hopes. All because they had placed their confidence in a man who came to a area, a region, and turned an entire nation upside down. This guy's name was Jesus. And he brought a message that was unlike anything anyone had ever heard. He dared to say that God wanted to make men sons, that God wanted to make men uh, his children, that God loved people. And so in this day and age, we live in a day not very different from the one that they were in. Today, we have people that are hurting. We have people that have questions. We have people that uh, are are wondering, how are we going to get through this? And in the midst of it all, while everyone was hurting, many people back then and even today were missing what Jesus had done. He had resurrected. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about because today I'd like to talk to you on the topic of where life begins. Where life begins. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 says, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It says all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, listen closely to this, made us alive with Christ. And even when we were dead in transgressions, 
It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now at surface level, this scripture to the average person, it would sound like the writer is writing to a group of people who were once physically dead and then were literally brought back to life. And if we interpret it this way, hey, it's easy to tune this out. After all, I mean, we're alive, right? We're not dead like these people. But I submit to you that this verse is absolutely meaningful to you and to me, to all of us, whether you believe in God or not. And I'll tell you why, because the truth is that most people today spend the majority of their life dying instead of living. Listen to what I'm saying. If we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of living life reactively, of just responding to life instead of proactively. See, this is where the early disciples were. These people loved Jesus. They believed in this message. They saw the miracles. But then all of a sudden, he seemingly was gone. It appeared that everything that he had prophesied, that he had said that he would do for the world, came to a screeching stop. And everyone lost hope. People were hiding for fear. And in the midst of this, they were missing a moment. They were responding to life and what they apparently saw and felt instead of living the life that Jesus had given them. See, we all understand this aspect of reactively living. It's when you're following the flow of life. You're taking it all as it comes. In other words, there's no real sense of direction. I mean, you may have some hopes and dreams, but they're by and large temporal in passing. Your sense of value and meaning and purpose for life is drawn from people. It's drawn from things and accomplishments, but they're never quite enough. Because you see, there's always something else to do. Someone else to please. Something else to attain. See, you value yourself above people and are driven by self-seeking agendas. Your relationships are defined by what you get out of them as opposed to what you bring to them. And instead of living life, everything that comes your way is living through you. See, you're not living. You're reacting to life. And this is where the disciples found themselves on the day of the resurrection. They were reacting to their circumstances. They were reacting to their feelings. I think that we can all relate to that because we all react. We all know what it is to live life moment by moment. And yet, Christ Jesus died and rose again to show us that there's a greater step, a next step. See, when you're living conversely, instead of living reactively, you're living proactively. When, when Christ is in your life, life has meaning. Your identity is based on something so much more than the things that you accomplish and you achieve. You live with a conviction that you bring a change, that you bring meaning to all around you. You're not waiting for something to happen. Instead, you're seeking the part that you play in things happening. 
you value people above yourself and you're driven by a holistic view that includes people around you and most importantly, the power of God in you and through you. Your relationships are defined by what you add to the lives of others as opposed to what you get out of them. You're constantly growing and evolving and as a result, you're living life as opposed to life living you. And so according to the record that we have of God's intentions and what we just read in the book of Ephesians, God's intention towards each and every one of us is that he wants us to experience life through his incomparable riches that come through the power of resurrection. Notice that the scripture told us that we were once dead, but we who were dead, he raised up to life. See, the point that I'm trying to get at this morning is this, that without Christ, we're not truly living. Christ is the key to true life. And you see, this thing that we call Easter, this day that we say it's Resurrection Sunday, it isn't just about the resurrection of Christ. What I want you to see according to the scripture is that it's about what God wants to resurrect in you. What God wants to bring back to life in you. I love something that, uh, that Pastor Nett said uh, as she was uh, uh, with the worship team uh, just a couple of minutes ago. She said, God did not come to make bad people good. God came to make dead people alive. And I'll tell you something. We can all relate to that if we're honest with ourselves because every one of us knows what it is to carry the weight of life and struggle. Even right now in these moments, there are many people carrying dead weight, carrying hurts, carrying doubts, carrying fears, carrying uh, concerns, carrying uh, uh, afflictions and anxieties, carrying questions, and all those things get heavy. And the truth is that you were not created to carry weight. You were created to walk in partnership with God. And live free. I want to encourage you to travel light. I want to encourage you to to hear the message of hope that we have in the resurrection of Christ. Romans 6, 4 and 8 says this. And then we're going to read verse 11 as well. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. Watch this. We too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, listen closely, we believe that we will also live with him. Verse 11 tells us something very important. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, that word there, uh, count yourselves, in the, in the original language, it speaks of calculating, accounting, or computing. In other words, you do the math and you come to a point of conclusion. And what the scriptures are telling us is this, that because Jesus lives, because 
God gave his son for the entire world to die and rise again, the scriptures are declaring to us and they're saying to us, reckon yourself, count yourself, come to this conclusion that because he died and rose, you also can die to those things that weigh you down and you can rise again anew with life. See, that's the hope that we have. The resurrection that we celebrate isn't just the resurrection of Jesus. God wants you to live with a conscious approach that you understand that you live in resurrection power, that you can rise from any circumstance, that you're not done, that you're not out, that God is still working in you. Listen, I know that the scriptures say that when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. But listen closely what he didn't say. He didn't say, you're finished. He said, I'm working in your life. See, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. And so the Bible records a time when Jesus gets the news that a dear friend of his, a man named Lazarus, was undergoing a severe sickness. It was so urgent that they saw the need to send a messenger. Uh, uh, Lazarus' sisters, uh, Mary and Martha, they sent a message, a pressing message, and Basically, the message was, Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Hurry, come. Come come do something. He's about to lose his life. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 11 that Jesus declares this the moment he hears this. This sickness will not be unto death. I'm going to tell you why I want to pause there for a moment. Because every one of us knows someone or is conscious of the current climate that we're in where we're we're hearing about all these things that produce a dying in people. They kill hope. They kill dreams. They kill uh, plans. They kill uh, joy. They kill peace. We even have the reality that we're losing people. And in the midst of these trying times in this world, What Jesus declares is this, what I have is life. What I have is life. See, God's not trying to modify you or make you, you know, uh, change yourself. God's God's not here after behavior modification. God's after bringing you to a point of understanding where you realize that all he wants to do is give you true life. A life where those things that are dying can be resurrected back to life. God has the best in store for you. Can I get an amen on that? Somebody give me an amen. Go ahead and type an amen. Go ahead and tell somebody God is giving you new life. And so Jesus is faced with news of death. But in the midst of this news, he doesn't fall into a panic. He doesn't go on Twitter and start tweeting how bad things are going. He doesn't start posting videos about how desperate he is and how great a problem we have. He's not tuning in to CNN or MSNBC or Fox News. No, Jesus makes a declaration in the face of death. He says, there's life. There's life to come. And so, What's interesting is that when Jesus hears this news, 
He doesn't leave. The Bible says that he waits another two days. And then finally, when the time comes for him to get going, he says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. In other words, let's go back over there. And the disciples say, man, you can't go over there. It's bad over there. Did you forget that they tried to stone you the last time you were there? Why would you want to go back there? And Jesus says, listen, there's still light in the day. Listen to verses 9 and 10 in John 11, what Jesus says. It says, Jesus answered, are there not 12 days, uh, 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no life. And so listen, while death and the shadow of darkness that it cast upon this situation was a reality... Jesus declares there's still hope because we walk in the daytime. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, because I am here, hope still lives. And life still has the power to begin and continue. Can I, can I encourage you with a thought this morning that the worst thing is never the last thing? The worst thing is never the last thing. While facing a dead situation, watch what Jesus saw. Life. He saw life. And in the midst of all the chaos of life, the missed opportunities, the bodily afflictions, the dying dreams, I mean, you name it, whatever it is, the message we have from the resurrected one is, you are not done. You're not done. You are not done. You know, I'm reminded of a story that I believe I've shared at some point. Uh, Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but just ride with me on this one. It's a story of a donkey who was in the middle of a town. And he was the only donkey in town, and everybody loved him. And then one day, all the people in this little town decide, it's time to get rid of the donkey. And the donkey doesn't know what they're planning. And so they, they, they call this huge gathering at the center of the town and everybody comes and the donkey's there and everybody's got shovels and, and, and the donkey's like right there and everybody's kind of like prodding him to get in the middle and he thinks that they're celebrating something. Maybe they're even celebrating him. And all of a sudden they begin to dig a hole. And the donkey's confused and he's observing as they're digging this hole. And, and, and he's, as, as he draws closer and the hole gets deeper, he's kind of looking around and looking at everybody and looking in the hole. And all of a sudden, they push him into the hole. And the donkey's kind of like, hee-haw, hee-haw, like, what's going on? What's wrong? Why'd you push me in the hole? And he's in the hole, and they begin to throw dirt on him. And the donkey, without even really thinking about it, the dirt would hit his back, and he would shake it off and stomp his feet. And they throw some more dirt on his back and he'd shake it off and he'd stomp his feet. And they, they, they're all kind of, the whole town is gathering in and throwing dirt into the hole and the donkey keeps shaking it off and stomping his feet. By the time they fill this hole, the donkey's back up top. And everybody's wondering how this happened. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that the hope that we have in God says, shake it off. And stomp your feet. You will rise again. God says, because I've risen, you will rise too. And so, you're not done. Let's turn to John chapter 11, verses 17 
through 37, I want you to consider something here. As Jesus arrives now to the place where Lazarus lived. John chapter 11 verses 17 through 37 says this. It says, on the arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. And Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And so what we see here is that Martha, who knew Jesus personally and had heard his teachings and bore witness to his power and knew him to be the promised Savior, is aware of Jesus' presence. And she, she goes running to him and she's, she's lamenting. The Bible tells us that people are hurting, everyone's hurting, and Jesus is confronted with a seemingly difficult situation, an impossible one even, at face value. See, Lazarus is dead. And the people have amassed in great mourning, and they're crying, and the hope of life has been cast away because everyone has given up. Listen to Martha's words as we just read a couple of seconds ago. It says, Lord... In verses 21 through 24, Martha said to him, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. You know, she'd be good if she just stopped right there. If she just stopped right there and she says, I know that whatever you ask God, he'll give you. But listen to what happens. Jesus says to her, Your brother, he's going to rise again. And her response is very telling. She says, I know he will rise again. 
in the resurrection at the last day. You know what she's saying? I know he'll rise at another time, just not now. See, she's not approaching him in faith. She's approaching him from a place of hurt. And so upon his arrival, we find that while she believes in him, she does not believe that he can do anything about this dead situation. So hard was this for them that her sister didn't even bother to come out. Mary stayed in the house. She heard Jesus was there and she says, I'll just stay here in my hurt, in my pain, in my sorrow. With all those supporting me and encouraging me to stay in this place of lament and mourning. Can I tell you that that's not God's will for your life? Can I tell you that God did not create you to live in hurt, in anguish, in loss, in despair? God did not call you to be at the bottom of the totem pole. God did not design you to struggle in life. God designed you to live with resurrection power and to live with the hope of life with Christ. See, Jesus, what's interesting here is that When she comes to Jesus with this this report, and she says, yeah, I know he's going to, yeah, you know, I I know he's, I know that he'll be resurrected someday later on at another time. Jesus responds to her in verses 25 and 26, and he says to her, and he says to us, the resurrection is already here. Watch what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says this, do you believe this? I want you to see something. That death is not an ending point. Death is a quality of life. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die die. And so Jesus didn't negate the deadness of Lazarus's body, but instead what he did was he asserted the source of life to address this dead situation. And so the key for us lies in the question he asked Martha and he asked you and me, do you believe? Do you believe that I can bring everything that has shriveled away in your life. Everything that weighs you down, do you believe that I can bring you from a place of death to life? Hmm. See, the goal of life is not death. Some of us, we're planning for retirement. We're planning for the day when we're gone and we can leave something to our kids and maybe our grandkids and whatever. But the goal of life is not death. It's resurrection. Most people focus on the fact that everything comes to an end, but Christ wants us to focus on his ability to resurrect a new beginning. There are those who believe that Jesus was, in fact, hurting like everyone when he comes to this point. After all, verse 35 does tell us that Jesus wept. But in order to really understand what's happening here is Jesus wasn't lamenting the death of Lazarus. 
If he was, he would have never said, the sickness isn't unto death. He wouldn't have said, he will rise. I submit to you that in the midst of the hurt that Jesus saw, what troubled him wasn't the fact that Lazarus had died. It was that people did not see the hope that was there. Listen closely. Right here, right now, at this moment, God is ever present and near to you. He's reaching into your home. He's reaching into your heart. He's reaching into your pain. He's reaching into your questions and your place of doubt. And he's saying, I'm right here with you. I'm present with you. And what I want you to see is that you have the ability to get back up and rise. There's resurrection power at work in you. The Bible says that a righteous man, he falls seven times. But watch this, you get back up. Because you're not done. You have to get back up. The resurrection power in you is the one that leads you to new places, to new beginnings. You may have lost everything right now. You can reinvent something new with God because he's the one that restores hope and gives life to dead things. Hmm. See, in spite of all the suffering that we see today, the challenges we face as a nation and the death that we endure daily, God announces to us the hope. Of life. Of life. Let me read to you John eleven thirty eight through 43 as we begin to come to a close here. Starting at verse 38, listen to what happens after Jesus sees this and he begins to weep. As the people are in question, you know, they're questioning and they, and they have no hope. The scriptures say in verse 38 that Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. This isn't a pebble, ladies and gentlemen. This is a huge boulder. And verse 39 says that Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, mind you, it's been four days. And in, in, the, in these times, they believed that after three, the reason why they were saying it's too late, it wasn't just because he was physically dead, but in, in, in Jewish culture and in those days, the belief was that after three days, the spirit of a man left his body. And so in other words, there was no longer any source of life. And so everyone's saying, this is useless. And Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. He's been there four days. In other words, she's saying, it's over. Why even bother? In essence, they're conveying that there is no sense or hope in this request to remove the stone. I love Jesus' response in the midst of this. Verse 40 says, did I, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Here's what he's saying. Did I not tell you that if you would believe in me, that you would see God's power working at its very best in your life? 
And so verse 31 says that they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. Listen to what Jesus still speaks today. See, for some of us, we think that we can't even come to God right now, that we can't even talk to God. There's nothing you have to say to God. Jesus has set it all for you. He's already established the path. And so what Jesus says, I'm praying this for their benefit, that they would know that you're true and that you've sent me. And verse 43, he says, and when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Right here, right now, there's a declaration from heaven that's coming straight into your home that declares from the very heart of God, let him go. Let them go. The enemy has no hold in your life. The trials of life have no claim on your heart. The circumstances that come against you have no, no, no authority over your life. God says, let them go. See, he was undeterred by their rationale. Jesus was not moved by their hurt and their doubt. Jesus addressed that which was dead. See, everybody's baffled at this point because Lazarus has been dead four days. But Jesus doesn't even address them. He calls straight out to that which is dead. He says, Lazarus, come out. Come out. You know, while it seemed impossible to everyone, Jesus addressed the only one that needed to hear it. He called out to Lazarus. And what I love about this is that Lazarus was lying and deaf. And because Lazarus was the one in this dead situation, Lazarus was the one that had to heed to the call of resurrection to embrace life. The reason why I share that with you is because life begins when we embrace a new beginning. And right here, right now, what I want you to see is that God is proposing a new beginning. For some of us, Man, you've been walking in, on this journey of faith. But has it grown old and stale for you? Let me tell you that the life that God gives us does not grow old. It's a new life every day. It's a new beginning every day. And if you find yourself discouraged even in your faith, God announces to you, come on out of there. Because I didn't, I didn't create you for decay and staleness. I created you for life. And life more abundantly. And so each and every one of us, like Lazarus, has the choice to step out. To come out again anew into a fresh, new life. One resurrected by the power of God at work in us. Today as we come to a close, I'm reminded 
of the book of John, chapter 20, where it gives us the account of the disciples. And John, chapter 20, starting at verse 19, tells us that the disciples were cowering for fear of the Jews. You see, all their hope, all their dreams, all that they had been looking forward to had come to a halt, according to their understanding. You see, Jesus was dead. His mission seemed to have come to a screeching halt, and it was unfulfilled. But the Bible says in John chapter 20, that as they were there cowering in fear, it says that Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. And he said to them, peace be with you. I'll tell you why this is such an important landing point for us here as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It's because for Jesus, there was nothing that limited him from going where his people were. There was no fear. There was no walls. There were no barriers. There were no people. There were no authorities. There were no circumstances. There was no COVID-19. There was nothing that could stop him from coming to the place where his people were assembled in their greatest place of need. And right here, right now, Jesus has transcended any barrier, even your understanding, and he's right in your heart and in your home. And he's whispering and he's saying, peace be with you. John chapter 20 tells us that he says to the disciples, look at the holes in my hand. See, see the piercing of my side. And the Bible says that at that moment, he announced to them, I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. And the Bible says that he breathed upon them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know what he was saying there? Take a breath of new life. Take a breath of power. Live with resurrection daily. Today, Jesus is in our homes. He's gone past anything and everything that could stop him. And he announces, I'm alive. And I bring you a message of peace, a message of hope. And I tell you, live, rise, walk in this new beginning, in this life with Christ. Today, I believe that as we close up, and we come to this moment of reflection that it's appropriate for us to take a time with God to close our eyes, but most importantly, to close our ears to every fear, to every weight, to every worry, and to take a moment to reflect upon the fact that just as Jesus rose, you too rise today. God wasn't just interested in resurrecting Jesus. God's interest lies in resurrecting you. Right here, right now, we take a moment to simply say, Jesus, just like you rose, I too rise. Go ahead and make the decision right now 
to get up, to rise up, and to step out and live once again. You don't have to be limited by fears. You don't have to carry the weight of anxieties. You don't have to listen to the voice of doubt. You don't have to carry the weight of the world. The message of Easter, the the message of resurrection is this. You can live. Today, right here, right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, take a moment to consider the message of hope that you have, that God wants to give you new life. And if you believe that today, then here's what you have to understand, that Christ died the death that you and I were supposed to die. It was the penalty that was owed for the payment of sin. But God saw that you and I couldn't do anything about it. We couldn't pay that weight. We couldn't pay that price. We couldn't carry that weight. And so he decided to come in the form of a man and do it for us so that we could rise again and live the life that he lives, a new life. And if you believe that with us, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Today I declare that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior, that you are my God, and that I am alive, that I am resurrected, and that I have new life. If you prayed that with us for the very first time, we are celebrating the hope of Christ and resurrection in your life. Please don't leave this broadcast without sharing with someone, without telling us of the decision that you made. Go ahead and tell us right now. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord. I have new life. I'm resurrected. Private messages, your information. We'd love to reach out to you this week and connect with you and be a support to you. And so now as we leave here, we celebrate resurrection life. Hey, friends and family, thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.